Was it? Was I had a great time? Well, you heard it from the horse's mouth there, Pat. Was, yeah, just, it was fun. It was it a was fun, fun show. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah. great. So, woo, you're in for a good time party yep. uh, on today's podcast. But listen, before we get into, you know, good time Charlie's uh, and him singing the blues, let me tell you about Relief Factor. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, I want you to listen up. There is hope, and it comes in the form of Relief Factor. Every day, we see testimonials of people who have tried Relief Factor for their pain. I just read one today on on the podcast um, about uh, a woman who didn't believe believe me. I mean, I wouldn't believe me. I'd be like, okay. I didn't believe Dennis Prager when I heard it on Dennis Prager's show. And my wife is like, why aren't you trying that? I'm like, because, I mean, it's a guy on the radio. I get it. I get it. This woman said she felt the same way about me. Um, and she took it anyway because her back was so bad. She's now out of pain. Please, you want a drug-free and natural way to get your life back? Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program tonight at nine, a uh, Glenn Beck Wednesday night special. The Biden crime family. Why Hunter's secrets are really all about Joe. They're doing everything they can to bury this. Now that it's out, they're trying to make it about uh, Hunter. It's not. It's about Joe Biden and a crime family. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern. If you're not a member of the Blaze yet, will you please join us? We'd love to have you part of the family, and we really need your support. BlazeTV.com. BlazeTV.com. You can see it tonight while it lasts on Blaze TV YouTube. Uh, and uh, join us tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern. One of the guys I've wanted to talk to for months is a guy who was born into a military family, Air Force. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's a really, I think... A decent American that was caught in kind of a Hitchcockian sort of uh, film because somebody walked into his computer repair store uh, and said, hey, can you uh, can you fix this? Well, that was Hunter Biden, and his life has been an absolute hell ever since. He's on with us now. John Paul Mac Isaac, uh, uh, Isaac, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Um, so can you tell me, this This whole thing started on a Friday night, and Hunter Biden walks into your shop, right? Yeah, it was uh, Friday, April 12th, about 10 minutes before I closed. And uh, on a Friday night, I was kind of excited to get out of the shop. Uh, unfortunately, that excitement was uh, shot down when uh, Hunter walked in clutching three liquid damage MacBook Pros that he wanted to get data recovery from. Did he, um, uh, did you know who he was at first? No, I'm, I'm visually impaired. So okay. I, when people walk in the store, I can't really see who they are. Uh, it's, it wasn't until uh, I started collecting his personal information and I requested his name and phone number and okay. email uh, that he, uh, and he was surprised that I didn't recognize him instantly. I, I guess he thinks he's some sort of local celebrity. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, take us through what happened. You had the laptops and you were asked to take all of this information off the uh, hard drive. When you do that, normally, do you see what's on the hard drive or is it just a transfer? Well, in a, in a perfect world, if it's 
uh, if it's say a transfer from a perfectly healthy machine to whatever the customer wants me to transfer it to, that process is generally automated. Um, in this case, the, the the one laptop that I was able to recover data from and that I actually checked in, uh, that was a liquid damaged machine. It had power and stability issues. So I started to do a transfer and the power cut out on it. So I had to basically piecemeal the transfer over the next couple of days where I'd get it to power on long enough for me to manually drag a folder to drop it to our secure store server. In that process, because it's not automated and there's no automatic verification process, I had to verify that the data I was copying was intact. And it's in that verification process that I was made aware that uh, there was some sensitive, embarrassing, and potentially criminal material on the laptop. Okay, so you fixed it, and you expected him to come back, and you weren't going to do anything with the laptop, right? Well, at that point in time, uh, you know, I, I completed the repair on April 16th or 15th. I gave him a ring to have him drop off an external hard drive so that I could transfer the data back. And he did. He came into the shop, dropped off a two-terabyte Western digital external hard drive, I believe he got from Best Buy. And I proceeded to copy the data that I recovered to that drive. He also requested that I uh, pay him electronically through the Square uh, Mm -hmm. credit card processing, which sends out an email and then an automated reminder. I then proceeded to call him the next day to let him know it was ready. And then I continued to proceed to call him to let him know it was ready uh, for a couple weeks after that and never got a response again. So after 90 days, what happens to the laptop? Uh, it, after 90 days on the paperwork that he signed, it clearly states that after 90 days, the, the, any abandoned property becomes the property of the Mac shop. So okay. when it became my property, I wanted to make sure what I had seen was real because I hadn't looked at the laptop during that entire time. And I think it was mid July where I finally dove into it. And that's when I, because mainly because Barisma and Hunter were in the news cycle yeah. during the summer. Yeah. Uh, I was very concerned that, A, somebody would come looking for the embarrassing content. Uh, when he dropped off the laptop, his dad wasn't running for president. Right. But two weeks later, his dad's running for president. And I fully expected the Secret Service to kick down my door and take the laptop and me away. It, it's That's not terrifying. unheard of. And I think, I think we've seen uh, demonstrated uh. recently that the Secret Service is the Biden's cleaner service. So I, I had a legitimate fear. And then also my concern that there was material on the laptop that was part of a criminal investigation. And so, so you, you I, gave it to the FBI. You, at this point, still trusted the FBI somewhat. I trusted, I trusted the FBI enough to know that this was the proper channel. This is what I had to do. I didn't, uh, after witnessing what happened to Roger Stone uh, that previous January, uh, having witnessing the uh, weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI during mm-hmm. the Mueller investigation, mm-hmm. I, I was definitely concerned. So um, that's why I enlisted my father, who's 31-year career military colonel, to go to the Albuquerque FBI because I didn't. I was trying to keep myself out of this like a secret. I had a business and a, a place in my community. Sure. I didn't want to lose any of that. So I enlisted my father. He approached the Albuquerque. Uh, I want to say it was October 8th uh, of 2019, the um, Albuquerque FBI office, and he was promptly kicked out. Uh, he was asked to lawyer up and don't talk about this. And Holy cow. He made, he made an effort to try to get them to drive, and they seemed not interested whatsoever in, in, in touching it with a 10-foot pole. So 
uh, we we felt pretty defeated at that point, and it was about a month later when an FBI agent reached out to my father in an effort to get a hold of me. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, I had the FBI meet me at my house. I expressed my concerns for my safety and what I was hoping to achieve by going to the FBI, which was basically get this thing out of my shop right. and give me some level of protection. If, if somebody comes looking for it, I want a phone number that I can call and you know, I'm, I'm have someone that I can reach out to should something go bad. When, and when, when this finally broke in the New York post, you were destroyed. Your business was destroyed. You were, I, what was it? 51 different intelligence, um, uh, experts signed a statement saying that this was Russian disinformation, which made you, you know, in league with the Russians. Uh, yeah. I know because we reached out to you and you were like, I'm just trying to get out of here. I don't want to do any interviews. I want to get out of here. How afraid for your life were you? Uh, it, you know, it, it really started the morning of October 14th. Uh, the New York Post released a story at 630 in the morning and I was getting death threats by about, you know, 645. Uh, so it didn't take long for people to make the connection. And then it really didn't. Initially, it was you know, I'm a hacker, I'm a thief, how can I do this? Yeah. Uh, then then it, the narrative slowly shifted to, you know, Putin thanks you for your service and, you know, you're a stooge for Russia. And, and to have that that idea out there that I colluded with a foreign power to affect an election, I mean, that's, that's treasonous. And, you know, I come from a very distinguished military family, and to have that uh, having the label traitor attached to my name is just, it's, it's devastating for me. Did you ever, ever think that your country would do this to you? No, I, I didn't. I really did not expect uh, what I witnessed on October 14th. I mean, within three hours of the Post releasing the story, there was this digital iron curtain that descended uh, around the story and anybody trying to report on it. The New York Post was blocked from Twitter for two weeks. I to see that level of, of collaboration and collusion, I, I figured out rather quickly that this had to be something they, they were prepared for. They were waiting for this to happen. And I think uh, when Zuckerberg was dragged before Congress, uh, what, on October 25th, and he said that the FBI reached out in late summer to uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Google to warn them of a massive dump of foreign intelligence that's going to affect the election, uh, and to be ready for it. And I can only imagine that that was because on August 28th is when I overnighted a copy of Hunter's Drive to Rudy Giuliani's office. And if they had the next week, the FBI warned them, it kind of begs the question, who was under surveillance? Was I being monitored or was the uh, office of the uh, president of the United States being monitored? You, uh, you recently filed a lawsuit against uh, Adam Schiff. And I just I want to say I love you for that. Uh, CNN, The Daily Beast, Politico. Why are you suing these guys? Well, I, I think Adam Schiff is, is pretty clear. He had no problem going on uh, Wolf Blitzer on I thought, the, eight, the 16th of October to tell the American people that this was a operation run out of the Kremlin. Um, he's supposed to be the chair of the Intelligence Committee, uh, but he was handed zero intelligence. If anything, the intelligence community at the time was trying to convey that this had nothing to do with Russia. And uh, he went on, on the news anyway to, to spread this narrative. And I think that 
that's a major problem because that the narrative that was spread is the narrative that seems to be sticking for a lot of things. Let's blame Russia. Let's blame Russia for the 2016 election. Let's blame Russia for collusion with Trump. And they tried it again, except I'm the last person you could ever possibly call a Russian. My family has a history of fighting during the entirety of the Cold War against communism. So I think they just chose the wrong guy. You sound pretty together, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, um, uh, we, we prayed for you. I think a lot of people in the country prayed for you. Um, I'm doing a special tonight on how this is about Joe Biden. Um, I'm not sure how much of the laptop you read because it's yours, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the FBI has it now. I, I gave it to them. They gave me a receipt for it. But you um, don't wait. I, I, wait. You'll never get it back. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, you have a copy of it, though? Didn't you? I mean, I would. have. Mm-hmm. I've seen you did. Well, OK, good. Did I you made a copy? Yeah. I made two copies before I went to the FBI. I made a copy to give to my father so he could go to the FBI with it. I also made a copy to give to a, a close friend of mine who, should anything happen to me, she had a, explicit instructions to hand deliver this to the one person that was in the Ukraine during the summer of 2019, looking up the same information that mm-hmm. I was in possession of, and that was Rudy Giuliani. And this is a decision I made back in October, early October of 2019. So time passes, almost a year goes by, and it turns out that that would be the same drive that I would mail to Rudy Giuliani. I am in possession of my father's copy, which predates Rudy. So if there's any question out there of any data that's been erroneously or maliciously added to any copies that are out there, we have a copy that predates Rudy's that we can always compare it to. And I've definitely offered that as options to anybody who uh, questions the integrity of the data. That's you know, out there. the media says that they are, you know, they're, yeah, we, we, we realize now it wasn't a Russian operative, you know, a Russian operative and a Russian op. Um, however, they're making this about the son, not the father. This is clearly about the father, don't you think? Uh, that was my concern. I mean, yeah. the concerns I had for national security weren't about Hunter. I mean, sure, there was like, wow, this guy's getting incredibly reckless with this technology. I wouldn't be surprised if the Russians had a copy of his laptop or the Chinese had a copy of the laptop. So, yeah, there was that level of Hunter-based national security. But to see how Blue Star Strategies was on a weekly basis sending information directly from the White House, not the vice president's office, but the White House, all policies towards Ukraine, anything that had to do with Ukraine, including the vice president's travel schedule, which Mm. should be a state secret, was being sent in the open, not secured to private Ukrainian citizens that were running a natural gas company that employed the vice president's son. That was a concern of mine, because this is stuff that you shouldn't send out in the open, and you shouldn't send to somebody yeah. that's going to financially benefit your offspring. And now that we are involved in war, I, I question everything that is, is mm-hmm. going on. I, I can't thank you enough, uh, John. And is there, is there a way for people to help? I know that there's a uh, give, send, go, because you are under tremendous financial pressure. Um, and I think you can just go to give, send, go, build back mac isaac uh i-s-a-a-c um is that is that the best way that people help you you know uh, my friend Kristen, i didn't i've never wanted to profit off of my actions during this entire process Uh, even even when it came to mailing a copy of the drive to rudy giuliani's office i used to take a credit card because i did not want i've seen how money can pervert noble efforts i did not want to fall into that trap 
And I still was kind of reluctant to go with any form of fundraising because, again, I made my bet. I'll lay in it. I don't right, right, right. to people to foot the bill. My friend convinced me, plus Miranda Devine informed me that you know my, my, uh, any money that I plan to achieve through my book will probably take a while to get there. So I needed to do something or I'm not going to survive this. Okay. And we need, I need to survive this so I can continue to fight. So my friend set up my gifts and go for me, and I'm grateful. Actually, I, I do want to say how I am completely astounded by the support that I've received, not just monetarily, but prayers and just general support from all walks of life and all corners of this country. I'm glad. And I can, and I can tell you, I, that support's given me the strength to make it this far. Cause it got pretty dark like a year and so ago. And, you know, I just, if it wasn't for this, the, the support from the American people, I wouldn't have the strength to continue this fight. And John, now I know how big this fight is. I, I gotta go uh, against the network break. I'd love to have you on again. Give, send, go build back Mac Isaac back in a minute. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. The left-wing media has been working overtime this week to paint all Republicans as subscribers to replacement theory. Now, honestly, I don't know if I ever heard of replacement. Isn't there a Christian kind of fringy theological replacement theory where it's like, yeah, Jews aren't Jews anymore. We're the Jews. We're the, we're the chosen people. And it's like, no, yeah. no, I'm, I'm sorry. No. Um, however, um, I don't think I've ever heard it um, as a as a plot to take over America by breeding, unless you're talking about, you know, Margaret Sanger. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's before I did my homework. <laughs> my gosh. White people and especially Republican white people, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. First of all, you're in trouble because, you know. They're going to be people of other colors that eventually rule the world. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Panic, right? You're being replaced. So no serious conservative that I know, no conservative that I know believes in replacement theory. Um, You know, we're generally not sitting around in the dark smoke filled uh, star chamber talking about how to solve replacement theory. Maybe it's just me. I'm attending all the wrong star chamber meetings, um, but I'm pretty sure I, uh, I haven't missed any. Um, I think most conservative leaning Americans may have never even heard of replacement theory until the media. Now this shows you the media is the, this shows you that the intellectuals of our country um, they're way ahead. They have an answer for everything immediately. Have you noticed that? This time it was replacement theory. And, and we keep standing around going, wait, what? What is, what's non-binary? Me, what? Okay. They introduce all kinds of new ideas and everything. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, the Republicans, they've been talking about replacement theory for you. And you're like, I don't even, Okay. Well, then I did my homework, and I am about to blow the lid off of the Republicans. Um, <clears throat> in our political and cultural debates, the background of replacement theory, and I'm not making excuses for it, but the background is more complicated 
then, you know, the media is making racist Republicans are spreading replacement theory and it creates racist mass shooters. So it does exist. And I, again, I'm not making excuses for it, but it's more complex than that. One of the most prominent spreaders of replacement theory panic was a U.S. senator. Um, in 1947, he wrote a book, Separation or Mongrelization, Take Your Choice. Now, I don't know if you've read that one yet. Um, I, I'm not. I've missed that one. Yeah, I'm not up Shoot. on my mongrelization uh, <laughs> books, but I'll look for it. Okay. <laughs> Um, his name, probably never heard of it. His name is Theodore G. Bilbo. Uh, he was a senator. He spent two terms as a governor. He was a political icon at the time. Oh, Republicans. There was a statue of this. Do- I mean, I would be careful. Uh, there was a statue of this guy. So how do we not know of this guy? He was indeed paranoid. Uh, he was paranoid because the growing population of black Americans posed a serious threat to the white civilization. And if I may quote, because they're classy, classy quotes from this guy, great civilization of the ages have been produced by the Caucasian race End quote. <laughs> um, black people moved in and destroyed our societies like ancient Egypt, creating a mongrel race. Thus the mm. title of the book. I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's the classic that everybody was singing back in the forties. Um, the mongrel not only lacks the ability to create civilization, but he cannot maintain a culture that he finds around him. Uh, he uh, also uh, said, quote, I'm convinced beyond every reasonable doubt that our race is in jeopardy. And at the present rate of interbreeding, uh, and intermarriage between N-words and the whites in nine generations, oh. which is only 300 years, there will be no whites left in 300 years. Panic, everybody. He also said, I'd rather see my race and my civilization blotted out with the atomic bomb than see it slowly but surely destroyed in the maelstrom uh, of interbreeding, intermade, intermarriage, and mongrelization. Okay, he was a good guy. Um, when he was he, when wow. he was running to keep his seat in 1946, mm. uh, he said, "By any means, keep the N words away from the polls. And if you don't know what that means, you're just plain dumb." End quote. Now, as I said, there is a statue <laughs> of this guy in a U.S. Capitol. Okay, not uh, I mean, a state capital, not the U.S. capital, a state Mm. capital. It's sitting in the capital where he served as governor. It's in the capital of Mississippi. And the the uh, statue of him now sits in a storage closet, I believe, in the basement of the capital, way in the back of the closet. And that's why Republicans don't know anything about replacement theory because it has been hidden. Nobody wants to remember this guy. Nobody wants to remember his membership in the Klan, his horrible mm. racist rants and theories, his horrible books. I can't speak on the mongrelization one. I haven't read that one. <laughs> Sounds snappy. Um, you already, already people, they don't want to know this because they already have to explain away Margaret Sanger 
or Woodrow Wilson and all of the other racist progressives who built that party into what it is today, the modern Democratic Party. I, I, you probably already knew, uh, but I forgot to tell you that Theodore Bilbo was a Democrat as a senator and a mm. Democrat as a governor. And I can't blame them. I mean, and I can't blame you for not knowing it because progressives have this history of tearing down statues of people they want to erase. And I can see mm-hmm. why they tore, tore this man's statue down. They, they should erase him. Except, you know what? I was thinking about this when I was when I was looking at uh, Senator Bilbo's record uh, last night. I thought to myself, you know, I happen to believe that you never learn from history if you erase history. You know? Like we would have known what uh, the you know what the real fear of uh, of replacement theory really was about, and that's mongrelization. <laughs> Had we seen that statue and said, "Who the hell is that guy?" So I know it's in a closet. It probably hasn't been seen in years, but I on, on good authority I do have that they still have it in the basement of the Capitol, and I would like to. Ask the governor of Mississippi. In fact, I I think I'm going to try to call him today or tomorrow. I'm going to ask him if they still have that, if they will donate that to our American Journey Museum. I'll put it right next to the Human Betterment uh, Foundation from California um, with the letter from the Nazis saying, hey, with what you guys taught us about eugenics, You have certainly stirred into action a country of 60 million people that can't wait to put your ideas into practice. I'll put it right next to those guys. Oh, and the Woodrow Wilson stuff where he was resegregating the military. Um, Yeah, I'll just we'll just do that. So if the state of Mississippi and I'm dead serious, I will bring the truck and the movers If the state of Mississippi would like to go in the basement with a flashlight and find that statue of Senator Theodore Bilbo, I will make sure that people see and understand the evils of replacement theory. And they will also know exactly which party has been the driver of replacement theory. As a free service, free service, Mississippi, Mm. I'm dead serious. Take me up on it. Back in a minute. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to bring in Daniel Horowitz because, uh, Daniel, you have uh, you have done a lot of work on this and you've you started this years ago, um, but you really have boiled this down to what's happening next week. Daniel Horowitz, writer for uh, uh, The Blaze and uh, Conservative Review. Daniel, tell me what's happening here. Well, great to be back with you, and I'll say it's worse than having our national sovereignty abrogated. It's really our bodily sovereignty 
uh, typically these international treaties would affect the sovereignty of our nation. This will affect our bodies because the wheel started to churn in the minds of those behind this entire COVID regime, the Great Reset, over the last year. Wow, the people are really acquiescing to this pretty easily, but they were a little bit perturbed that you did have Sweden, you had Florida, you had some areas doing their own thing. So their goal is to create a pandemic treaty that will synchronize and consolidate the control under these global authorities where they could basically lock you down. They could force, uh, you know, therapeutics on you, say, you know, you're a public health threat. This is what you need to do. We're going to declare your region a public health emergency and we can do anything we want. Now, they were working on that for a while, and I was always wondering where the Biden administration was, because you know they support it. They were awfully quiet. Well, it turns out that they quietly submitted amendments to this 2005 international health regulations in January. No press conference, no uh, press release on the WhiteHouse.gov website. We sent them. Our White House sent them. Yep. They sent them, and you could see the strike through. Oh, yeah. And... Basically, every the, the upshot of it is it takes away the determination of the state. The WH Secretary General shall, instead of may, do this, take, took out all the consultation requirements with the state. But we didn't even know about this until a few weeks ago, um, and they're going to submit it at this conference. And like you said, the reason they're doing this is because Biden knows he doesn't have 67 votes for a treaty. So like everything else they do, rather than a treaty, a law, really everything they did throughout COVID, you just do it executively or make an end run around it. So they're going to have a de facto treaty without calling it that. And that's the way they plan on getting this passed. And look, Biden claims to already have the support of Canada and and most of Europe. So this is uh, this puts the WHO in charge of really any kind of. Uh, pandemic, any kind of uh, traumatic event anywhere in the world. They're calling the shots, not our local or our national people, but the WHO, correct? Well, in plain English, China. Um, and, yeah. and, I, and I think I think you can't discuss this WHO effort in a vacuum without noticing last week the Biden administration held this, what he called the global COVID summit. And the, sum, the summation of everything that was said on that Zoom get-together was essentially there is a worse pandemic coming in the fall and winter. Now, how they would know that is kind of interesting, uh, but I think we should take them seriously, that they might know something that you and I don't. And they seem to be into indicating that, yeah, you know what, maybe COVID wasn't quite that bad, but this is going to be really bad. Now, think about how... Uh, Wuhan gaslit the world to respond in the way they did. And now you have a whole new level of Shanghai. And then now they're saying there's going to be an even worse pandemic that perhaps should uh, engender a need for an even more severe lockdown like we're seeing in Shanghai. Are they saying that that's, that's coming? What they're trying to accomplish. Uh, are they saying that's coming next winter? This coming fall winter. Yes. Because, huh. you know, this uh, treaty... Um, the, the changes kick in in November. You know, they don't kick in right away. You have to wait until next fall, right around election time when they kick in. So the way, Glenn, the way I understand it is that under the current rules, 
uh, a party could rescind their support, a state actor could rescind the support for the regulations uh, within 18 months. So the amendments would truncate that period to six months, which, as you note, is designed to basically correlate with the lame duck session of Congress, where maybe maybe it will be after the election, but before the new Congress is sworn in. Uh, How bad on a scale of one to ten? I mean, because everything is on fire right now, it seems like. And, you know, you can only pay attention to so much scale of one to ten. Ten being holy cow. Constitution is on fire. We're all going to die. Look, it's a mountain ahead of us. Pull up. And one being, eh, where is this? You know, Glenn, I, I would say that where we're headed is, is a 15. is something we can never <laughs> imagine. And again, I, I'm not saying it's the WHO provisions in a vacuum. It's what yes. it represents and what they're trying to accomplish. Yes. A lot of people are under the false impression that it's over with, COVID's over with, uh, the, the lockdowns are over with, we're never going back to that. If you understand the background behind this, which a lot of it we still don't have all the information, but we have our suspicions, they ain't done with this. They, they're not. And I think, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes, they were pretty successful. I mean, they walked in without firing a shot. They did not have much opposition. You look even at a lot of the red states, and, and they, they fell for a lot of this to this day. Um, I mean, the FDA announced they're, they're approving a third shot, and not just approving, but marketing, distributing a third shot to 5- to 11-year-olds, mainly the red state that has stood up and said, we're not doing this. I think Florida recommends against it, uh, but I, I don't see too many Republicans speaking out. So I don't think we have undone this. We have not immunized ourselves uh, through state constitutional amendments and other efforts from this happening ever again. So in the past, the reason why I say it's a 15 in the past, it's like, oh, they're going to tax us. They're going to regulate us. They're going to take away our national sovereignty. This they quite literally view us as lab rats in their new global design. Yes. And I think there's no limit to what they plan on doing. It is so frightening um, because, you know, they, they all love the chief advisor to Klaus Schwab um, is uh, Yuval Noah Har- uh, Harari. And if anybody knows who he is, he is a favorite futurist of everybody on the left. They love this guy. Um, and he has said, you know, globalist elites are going to use crisis to bring about world government. But he says it in a good way. He's like, look, it's going to be a crisis. And, you know, we can program people. And, uh, you know, he is he is terrifying, terrifying on the things that he believes that would be put into our bodies. Um, and uh, it's not just the WHO. You know, you have the um, uh, what is the other the other one that is um, the uh, biodiversity, uh, the yeah, the global treaty on biodiversity that is also uh, taking uh, all kinds of uh, of powers from states. Global biodiversity framework is what they is what they're talking about. Um, and um, this one is going to be, you know, they're going to have a new convention on this. And this one will all be about uh, land use, 
Um, it will have huge implications on food production, farming, property rights, all of it, all of it. And I believe it will cause what Mao saw in, you know, the uh, 1960s, late 1950s, you know, just massive starvation. This is really bad because they're putting these thing into these global treaties and who's going to enforce them? Do you think our military will enforce things like this or will... <laughs> dare to send troops here. You know, Glenn, the sky is the limit. Uh, it, until a couple of years ago, I would have laughed this off. I would have laughed the, off the comments of Paul Schwab. Yeah, there's some crazies out there, but, you know, they don't have any power. But I think after the past two years, we need to take this very seriously uh, because they did succeed. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the name of the survivor of the Cambodia's um, killing fields. Uh, did an interview mm-hmm. on the Epic Times a couple of days ago, and he noted that the way communism took root is the same guy could be the arsonist and the firefighter. And, and that's what they seem to do. They seem to induce yes. these catalyzing events yes. uh, with the pandemic. I mean, it clearly was not natural. Uh, who and exactly what did it, we're still finding out, but it wasn't natural. It wasn't a one in a hundred year natural event. So in other words, there's nothing stopping uh, a new uh, a pandemic from coming. And then you have all the supply chain shortages, the sudden issues with the baby formula, um, land use issues, as you mentioned, uh, Bill Gates and the Chinese buying up American land. All of this is tightening the noose around us on the vital things we need to survive. And then you throw into the mix the maniacal war on treating COVID, which you would think if you're a big COVID hawk, you'd be, man, you got to treat that thing. No, they were against it. And to this day, they're against treating it. That all paints a very concerning picture. And I think you know, I, I, I speak to a lot of Republicans and state legislators, and they tell me a lot of their leadership wants to move on from this. But I think you need states to preemptively pass resolutions that these things are unenforceable. We're not going to do them. We're going to pass state constitutional amendments codifying, uh, you know, rights to life, liberty and property I mean, look, in, in a time of a public health emergency. You know, the crazy thing is, Daniel, is that um, you, you can't get states to really understand ESG, which the banks are now going to states and saying your state is going to fall under ESG rules for loans from us. And they still don't really understand the threat. When you start talking about, you know, one global government from the WHO, everybody's going to laugh that off. And, and I honestly believe that's part of the deal. I mean, they have made conspiracy theory uh, into, you know, hey, did you hear that uh, Coke is on sale at the store? Oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. I mean, everything is a conspiracy theory now. Everything. It, ex- exactly. But you know what? I'm going to take them at their word this time. I didn't pay attention last decade. Uh, uh, retrospectively, we've been going back and seeing, oh, my gosh, they've been warning with certitude there's going to be a pandemic under the Trump administration. It's interesting how they knew that. Well, this time I'm going to take them seriously. Bill Gates just came out with his with his new book on how to uh, defeat the next pandemic. So, you know, when you have the arsonists as the firefighters, we definitely need to pay attention. We need to get out ahead of this. And you mentioned the banks. And I think one of the biggest threats that we need to understand is that a lot of conservatives have this Reagan era nostalgia about the private sector. Well, the Mm. private sector was a bulwark against tyranny when it was distinguished and separate from the government. Exactly right. But now that it's actually become one entity, it's, it's worse than 
pure traditional communism because I can't vote out the heads of Pfizer and the heads of the bank. Yep. And, and, and you can't campaign against them and, you know, go to a legislative hearing and expose them. They're all behind the, the wall. So, you know, all these red states where sometimes you have these Republicans, they say, well, well, we're, we're reluctant to fighting this budding fascism because I don't like telling the private sector what to do when they're only doing it at the behest of the federal government. You have an obligation as a state to interpose on behalf of the liberty of the people. I want to give you something from the uh, U.N. Biodiversity uh, Framework Council. It's being sold uh, as the next Paris uh, Climate Agreement, except it will focus on biodiversity, land use, not climate change. It'll have huge implication on food production, farming, property rights. Also carries with it the potential to cause mass starvation and loss of human life on a scale we have not seen. Uh, nations and large businesses recently met in Geneva to continue to work on the global biodiversity framework. The hope is it'll be approved and signed by countries later this year in China. Um, and according to the World Economic Forum, the meeting in Geneva was the first time at the United Nations Convention on Biological Diversity meeting that leading businesses turned out in force. According to the World Economic Forum, Unilever, gee, they don't make anything, do they? Uh, City, uh, Natura and Company, H&M Group, Walmart, Ikea, Nestle, um, also, the International Chamber of Commerce, the World Business Council on Sustainable Development. Uh, there are more than 1,100 companies with revenues of more than $5 trillion that have signed on to this. This is extraordinarily dangerous. You, you, Daniel is right. Everything has to happen at the state level. Everything. Please. Please, if you are a, a state official, wherever you're hearing my voice, please do not take my word for it. Read about it yourself. This is a coordinated thing, all being driven to the end of capitalism, the end of sovereignty, individual sovereignty, your sovereignty of your body. Uh, the American dream is over unless these things are fought and taken seriously, um, you can start with my book, uh, The Great Reset. It's available wherever books are uh, found. What was the name of your book came out a few years ago, uh, Daniel, that talked about this? Stolen Sovereignty. <laughs> so, yeah, Stolen Sovereignty. Uh, get that by Daniel uh, Horowitz. Daniel, thank you so much. Are you, you're, obviously, you're going to be paying attention next week to WHO. Uh, just keep us informed on what's going on, will you? Absolutely. We'll be vigilant. And thank you for having me. God bless. You, you bet. God bless.